I think that marriage itself is very difficult. I think that the longer you're married, the more complex and um, the more layers and um, intricacies come along with time. And I think that not much makes it more difficult than Rad does. Rad can really strain marriages. It can end marriages. It can cause a variety of issues within a marriage. And I think what I see most often is triangulation. So I do want to refer back to episodes in the past, and then maybe I can link them in the description, um, that refer to triangulation and discuss that maybe more in depth. But without listening to them, I'll just I'll just do a brief overview just to make sure I, I'm touching all the important components of triangulation. So <clears throat> I think the best way to do that is to start with um, defining triangulation. Like I'm going to give a real definition, actually. So what is triangulation? And then maybe we'll talk about like what triangulation is in the, co- in the confines of reactive attachment disorder. So the definition is triangulation is a, um, so triangulation can sometimes be a symptom of attachment disorder. Uh, In this context, triangulation refers to the child's tendency to involve a third person in their relationship with the primary caregiver as a way of avoiding direct confrontation or seeking validation. So for example, a child with an attachment disorder may use a teacher or another adult as a go-between in their relationship with the parent rather than communicating directly with them. Triangulation can be maladaptive coping mechanism for children with attachment disorders as it may interfere with their ability to form secure attachments and develop healthy relationships. Treatment for attachment disorder typically involves therapy that focuses on strengthening the child's attachment with their primary caregiver and improving their social... um, Um, skills with emotional regulation. Okay. So that's like me reading it directly in, and it's a very soft explanation of triangulation. So, uh, triangulation is usually used as a manipulative construct that positions the child as the victim, the primary caregiver as the enemy and the person they are using in the triangulation model as the savior. So um, we're going to kind of talk about it in the context of of that uh, dynamic. Essentially, a lot of times in a marriage, it seems as though when a child recognizes a unified front between the caregiver or the primary caregiver and the partner, or just even generally like a very healthy relationship that seems to um, like almost, it almost drives a like a diametric agenda of um, corruption. Like it wants to, the child will, will inadvertently almost without fail, I think, um, start building a narrative with each person that will drive opposition and drive um, a distance between the two 
just kind of wedging themselves in between what was once unified, what was once a cohesive and healthy relationship will start to, you'll see the degradation of, of, of that pairing, um, at some point in time. And, and sometimes they, they hang on longer than others, but almost without fail in my experience, there will become, um, ripples in the still water that once was. And it's easy to kind of, um, see this pattern when you're looking at a group of people seeking support, right? So um, I've been able to kind of look at, okay, there's X amount of couples with, you know, a rad um, child in the home. And within those couples, how many um, posts or comments or engagements are in reference to the breakdown of what once seemed to be a healthy marriage. And it's literally like across the board, almost a hundred percent of the time at some point in time, like it's a hundred percent at some point in time in the relationship. Now there's recovery in that. And then there's also complete degradation of the relationship to the point of divorce, separation. Um, there is, times where you see some domestic abuse and there are times where you see even like allegations of sexual um, abuse against a child or allegations of, and and whether they're founded or not, I can't, obviously I'm not going to break out each example, but a lot of times they are unfounded allegations of um, sexual abuse against the child when other tactics have failed um, or when the entire caregivership is falling apart and they are maybe seeking residential, long-term treatment, etc. So how, why does this happen? And I think it is just like the typical um, attachment trauma response. There are a lot of manipulations that occur when you're looking at um, a reactive attachment disorder dynamic in a marriage. So it's just manipul- it's, it's a manipulative um, tactic. It's, it's just used by children in this case to control and manipulate others. They, they create this third party um, or they create a situation that they can use to their advantage. So it, it's like they're pitting two individuals or in some cases even groups of individuals against each other to control the relationship and to benefit themselves in a way of not having to move forward in the attachment to the primary caregiver. So um, you see this in like romantic relationships too. Like uh, there will be like a a air of jealousy or some type of a competition between, um, you know, the partner and another individual in order to exert like some kind of a control or create an emotional distance. So in like workplace settings, even um, maybe an individual may use like a third party to spread false information or rumors about a colleague in order to undermine their like reputation and and their like general authority. And it's just, it's a harmful, it's damaging to the individual in the relationship as the, the couple, the marriage. Um, there's like a, a level of like distrust that will seep in. There's insecurities and emotional, um, uh, it's like an emotional, you feel incompetent emotionally. You feel, you can start to feel like you're being gaslit, you know, gaslit in these situations. It creates like, 
um, like a, a level of, um, you know, whatever the established norm is, you start to question if you have uh, the competency to raise these children, if you have the competency to assess your the child um, at question, if you are, are you losing it? Are you losing it? Are you being insensitive? Are you being too hard on this child when your partner is part of the, the rescue narrative and you are the villain narrative? It becomes like... Um, you, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you start to feel ang- like uh, maybe what was once just pointing out things that are very obvious to you in your relationship with the child, um, your partner starts to um, exist in the narrative of the, you know, the savior narrative. And so they start to question your motives and intentions and your, your level of discipline and the necessity of that discipline. And, uh, your venting becomes, you know, um, more of, you know, positioned as being too harsh, too, um, judgmental, too looking at things from, uh, you know, without temperance of love, looking at things from a, um, I've heard the words ungodly assessment, like an ungodly, you, you know, you, you review our child's behavior in a way that is ungodly. It's uncaring. It's un, uh, mercy. You, there's no mercy. Like, can't you just give some, some, just some, uh, a touch of, of mercy when you are assessing this behavior or why are you so, um, painfully hypervigilant everything she does or he does is under your microscope uh, you never give them a break let them be a child let them let them make mistakes it's okay like maybe you're taking this too personally maybe you're not um maybe you're not bonding to the child and that starts to creep into the essence of these conversations and the essence of how you see each other. They become the one that is compassionate and empathetic and understanding and loving and giving, giving, um, the benefit of the doubt. And you are, uh, not being diplomatic. You're unfair or unjust. You're being too harsh or hard. You're not, you're not tempering your, uh, discipline. You're not tempering tempering your um, your verbal communications with the child, and so it starts to pit you two against each other. Of course, and the healthy communication and the united front starts to just become uh, it's dismantling. You know, it's it's becoming weak, and the child can sense that their tactics are working. It's a distraction from the major. Uh, progress that maybe you were once making or the major progress that needs to be made for for healing and the caregiver relationship that one-on-one relationship the vulnerability of it is is now distracted from and now there's a distrust within um whatever the the efforts were to build that relationship have been undermined by all the chaos that's being created in these narratives um you know the challenge is it's a significant challenge when the marriage is tested in this way because there are problematic behaviors that are in fact happening um there's usually like defiance there's triangulation and manipulation in and of itself which is you know that is a problematic um it's a problematic behavior that's being displayed it's it is also being executed and actively working so that means there are even the levels of depth to um 
the the levels of depth and complexity within the rad structure and what is really needed to find um healthy healthy engagements and and health um uh let's see healing within a healthy communication structure a healthy caregiving structure all of these things are are being dismantled by the execution and implementation of triangulation okay so um when there's tension there's conflict within the family these like you'll see defiance um the defiance the aggression the violence maybe even the um all of the the things that are happening with the primary caregiver are going to be amplified usually um there is like the helplessness that the child you know there's like a a a a demonstration of helplessness and of um um, submission and of, um, you know, even more childlike than maybe is appropriate for the age with the partner who is most, um, sympathetic to the, the triangulation, they're going to get an enhancement of all of those behaviors while the primary caregiver is going to see the negative behaviors or the, um, um, the problematic behaviors amplified as well, if that makes sense. I know I'm kind of like rambly in this, but, um, a lot of times the, the strain comes from the adapt, uh, adapting your family to the high level requirements of just rad children in general. So like, um, Food hoarding, for example, you know, if your kids are used to being, say you have a couple biological children in the home, they're used to being able to have a non-regimented interaction with food and snacks. They can eat snacks whenever they want to. They can go to the cabinets or to the pantry and get their snacks. They have their own kind of preference of snacks. And maybe you buy each kid their own kind of um, after school snack that they, they, you know, that there's not a lot of crossover. This one eats their Cheez-Its and this one eats their fruit snacks and that's fine but now all of a sudden um the purchase for the the child that has recently come into the home is is not good enough they're not eating their snack and they're trying to eat their sibling snacks or they are eating all of the snacks and now you have to have this new relationship with food and that is causing a strain in your in your scheduling with your other children with this child everything is just kind of now being like transformed into this really problematic engagement that happens every day and when you try to speak to your spouse about it it seems like a very um, petty like a trivial conversation about snacks that you should just be able to manage it and then you start to feel guilty or resentful or shameful because like you can't just manage snack time after school without venting and complaining and seeking guidance from your partner that's that's an example of how things can just these small petty grievances can become um compiled changes within your your communication structure and your family so um I think that like these challenges seem so small and they build resentment and contempt because how can you have time to prioritize your relationship? How can you come up with strategies that are meaningful when everything has devolved into like these 
these very strange conversations that your partner and yourself even are not used to having. Um, On top of the intentional triangulation and disruption that is happening from within your family unit with this reactive attachment disorder behavior showing up as a direct like assault to your marriage, you're also having all of these other adjustments that you will now have feelings about. You're going to have adjustments that are, that are complicating what was once the foundation that made you feel like you were competent and capable of doing, um, uh, of taking on a child, of fostering a child or adopting a child or, or a kinship care situation shows up. And now you have this child that has, um, that you felt like you could help. You felt like you could stand up for the the parents and, and stand in for the parents. And based on the foundations of your home, your marriage, your communication, you thought you were able and capable of, of addressing the needs of a child that had, uh, you know, or addressing the needs of a child who comes from a different family unit and comes from maybe a different set of circumstances, you feel like you have built a home that is safe and fair and that your parenting has evolved into um, a style of parenting that can accommodate higher level needs from a school age child or or less. Um, And now those very foundations that made you the right, made you feel like you were the right choice to care for this child are being shook, shaken, uh, broken. They are, your home is being disrupted by this in ways that you didn't expect and your partner didn't expect. And maybe your partner doesn't even see, which is causing you to feel, um, even more angry and frustrated, even less, uh, even less competent, even more, um, you feel even more inept when it comes to like even explaining what's happening in your home. Because once you start speaking about it, it's almost like the plausible deniability. These things seem so petulant that you look a li- like you 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 kind of make the case for the child. You look a little you look like you're, you know, just being extra. You're being you're being um hypervigilant towards a child that just needs to adapt. And while maybe there is some truth in that, this is an intrinsic part of what you can expect when you take on children and you should probably expect it when you take on children from almost any circumstance that is not born of, um, you know, a normal, typical family unit, like where you're still with the parents are together, you have a child, um, or even maybe a single mom situation where the child's able to bond with the primary caregiver and you are the primary caregiver. So like it, anytime you bring a child into your home, Um, Whether you already have children, whether you're adopting, whether you're fostering, whether you're helping a family member out, whatever it is, if they're being removed from what should have been or what was their primary caregiver, um, the care of, of a biological parent or a grandparent into your home as a solution to a set of circumstances, whatever they may be, you should expect attachment disorder behaviors and trauma triggered behaviors to, to disrupt your life and to disrupt your way of thinking about parenting and, and be prepared for your partner and yourself to be strained while adapting to this new dynamic, because that's going to happen. Um, no matter what the case is, whether the child is just not adjusting well, whether the child is, um, immediately triggered into a triangulation type manipulative uh, behavior pattern, your your partner, and if it's a especially if it's a classic situation where you're home all the time and your partner works and provides for the family in that way, 
Um, if you are thinking that your, your partner is always going to catch the little things and is always going to agree with you and you need your partner to agree with you in order for your, your relationship to remain stable, um, you need to really test that theory in, in a therapeutic environment because, um, there isn't much out there, maybe other than grief, that can challenge a solid marriage in the ways that a child of almost any age with reactive attachment disorder can. Because there are going to be additional um, duties now that you did not have prior to. Um, one I talk about all the time is hygiene. Another one is just like, uh, and this maybe is hygiene. I mean, it's 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 a... Hmm. What would you say this is? It's a couple of things. But like, say, for example, I, I've referenced this before as well, because it's a standout example to me. But um, if you have a young a young son or, or maybe a daughter as well, that is urinating in the corner of their bedroom every day, eventually, that's going to result in some manual labor being required to deal with ripping up flooring, replacing flooring, sheetrock, painting, whatever. Um, that's going to be a weekend project or a week long project or a very expensive project It's going to stress your finances. It's going to stress your um, time, your time balance structure, like all of these things are going to be new issues that you have to mitigate without a lot of um, previous knowledge. Okay, so if you're not used to having a child that urinates on the floor all the time, or that eats you know, 25 snacks while everybody else is sleeping and then gets sick and causes like missing work, all these things, you're just going to have additional stresses that you've never dealt with, with your previous, you know, your pre-rad life. And you probably didn't expect to deal with in your rad life. You probably expected things to be difficult in other ways, but maybe these are the real, the real time truth of it It are more time demanding, are more, um, schedule, uh, schedule, the scheduling required, uh, to accommodate this child will, will now be more than you thought, um, you would have to adjust. Like you, you're going to have to have doctors and therapeutic interventions, and you're going to have to have, you know, I maybe like uh, more interactions with the, the, the school staff, teachers, they're also going to be triangulated. So you're going to be dealing with, um, you know, other adults that are your equal, but have an authoritarian type of position in your child's life where like, maybe they're dealing directly with your caseworker or something like that. You're going to have to to really be steadfast in your understanding of the traumas and the behaviors and the responses. The best way to deal with a child that is causing this type of chaos in a life is to be trauma informed and to be um, attachment informed because when you can see these things for what they are and and you take from from the situation or the circumstance you you leave your own personal feelings and expectations out of it and you can identify that that's what's happening and you and your partner maybe have the same kind of educational knowledge of what's happening and you're both trauma um educated trauma informed and you can you can really mitigate these things in a much healthier way because it's almost like, oh, we knew this was going to come. We didn't know what, what form it would take on. We didn't know how, in which way it would be displayed, but we knew it was coming. So I do challenge you to, even if you've been in the struggle for a long time um, or for a while and you're finding yourself being resentful or feeling contempt or feeling just completely defeated, 
now is the best time right now. If you haven't done it already, like take your partner, sit down and come up with a plan to really understand the, the trauma aware way to identify and handle these types of behaviors because they're not going to, um, abruptly just end one day. You're not going to figure it out like a puzzle. And then it's going to be, you know, you get the right therapist, the right school, the right, uh, you know, the right disciplinary actions in place the you know, IEPs and all this stuff. It's not going to magically make all of these things stop. They're going to transform as time goes on with puberty. They're going to constantly put pressure on your marriage. If you cannot identify and mitigate these things quickly and effectively within the the confines of your relationship and not bring it into um, narrative styled like a you know uh, attacks on each individual person that re- you know result in a, a failure to to show up to the child as a united front no matter what happens or how you feel you should always look like you're healthy and like you're communicating and like you you already know you have already heard, you guys have already discussed it. If they don't see the the holes in the marriage, they can't um, rip through what's already kind of tattered, if you will. If you are able to just always be consistent, no matter what you do in the car, in the garage, in private, you know, what you say in, in your marriage counseling, no matter what you say over text to each other, like at least in front of the child or when the child can, um, perceive the two of you together make sure that you always seem to be on the same page if you can somehow agree to that and maintain that everything else can be worked out privately um, as you guys grow and learn and become more educated about reactive attachment disorder in your own home in your own life but if you start to show weakness and you start to show that uh, one parent is more fond of the child or one parent is more um, willing to believe the narrative it's over. I mean, you're, you're, you've basically been infiltrated at that point. And I think the most important thing to do is never be infiltrated in reality, of course, but if, if not in reality, at least in perception. And that's my, uh, that's my, that's my 30 minute rant for today about, about marriages. I think that like a lot of times the classic scenario is going to be a husband and a wife um, it could be two men, two women, two people, whatever. But in just the traditional scenario, it's a husband and a wife. The wife is the primary caregiver and the husband is triangulated to believe that the wife has become um, insufferable, you know, petty, hypervigilant and, and harsh. She is mean. She is isolating the child. She is hurtful in her demeanor towards the child or cold or just like ruthless in her um, discipline. If your partner starts to feel like those things are true about you, it's going to shake your marriage in other, uh, in, in other trees in the garden are going to start to tremble. That is what you do not want to have. And if you're experiencing that now, my best advice to you is to immediately find a attachment experienced marriage counselor. Um, maybe I can, uh, look for on better help since it's like a resource that anyone can access some, some good suggestions, some good, um, some therapists that have the qualifications that I would think that that might be best in helping solve these problems. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be my, my, uh, overview on the topic for today. Keep your marriages 
focused on on being united and stay clear and understanding what's happening if you're infiltrated it's going to be very difficult but you have to remain like um open to therapeutic intervention like i always say and yeah that's going to be if you have questions don't forget you can um always email us at reactiveattachments@gmail.com um you can you know, of course, if you listen on Spotify, you can um, engage with the episodes directly, social media, reactive attachments on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you guys soon. All right. I'll see you next time. This is the reactive attachments podcast. It's a conversation between myself, my child and the audience. It's us talking about reactive attachment disorder, answering questions, and just keeping that conversation and education flowing. Um, It's a dialogue, not therapeutic intervention. I do strongly suggest if you suspect a child or someone in your family, someone that you care about, has an attachment disorder or showing signs of attachment um, behaviors, please seek medical intervention from a licensed medical provider. Otherwise, check out this episode for any type of resources that may be related to the topic at hand. I'm terrible at throwing together these um, intros and that's why most episodes don't have them. Again, please seek therapeutic intervention if you have any kind of attachment behaviors or are concerned about possible reactive attachment disorder or attachment trauma.